The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Let's get to our guest, Becky Liu, who's head of China Macro Strategy at Standard Chartered Bank. Becky, the, the markets seem to be taking this Pelosi trip to Taiwan mostly in stride. Why? From the market's perspective, public uh, market would still price it as a, uh, an event that might not be triggering major military conflict. And uh, uh, but uh, from uh, the medium to long term perspective, we feel that the rising geopolitical tension in the Taiwan Strait will be something influencing both the China and Taiwan local markets, including the currencies as well as the interest rate environment. Uh, but at this stage, I think market's um, expectation is that China's reaction will mostly confine with some um, signaling um, uh, actions instead of something really hurting. Uh, their economy. And therefore, at this stage, we feel the market reaction has so far been still relatively mild, but we just need to be concerned about the medium to long term implications. You mentioned the the currency moves, and it could be just more flow on through than what we see on the Taiwan dollar too. I mean, we're looking at this potential visit buffeting the yuan too. How are you viewing the Chinese currency reaction? Well, at this stage, if we just look at the CNY's uh, reaction, it has been uh, still relatively modest. And uh, the CNY strength um, has indeed been driven by primarily its fundamentals, i.e. the very strong current account surplus, which has just hit a record high in the first quarter of this year, or the trade balance, which is a all-time high in the first half of this year, or rising 59%. Uh, from the same period of last year. So from the market's perspective, it's uh, it's still primarily reflecting the underlying cross-border flows that's supporting the CLY. But on the other hand, we also need to recognize that um, in the second half of this year, uh, from a expectations uh, perspective, a market could become less concerned about the yuan as well. We are talking about a economic divergence in the second half of this year with China growth likely rebounding, uh, while many other economies might be moderating. And we are already seeing signs for a turning around of the capital outflows. Um, and uh, we are also uh, talking about likely continued strong trade surplus, partly because of the zero COVID policy that mm. has been curbing China's outflows. So, so, in so general, Becky, your, feel- yours is a slightly optimistic view then for China, at least in the second half. What about some of the other countries so, from which we've seen weakening PMIs and, and weakening data? Are you expecting, for instance, in Europe and the United States to see recovery in the second half? Um, I think 
at this moment, market consensus is for the developed market to, uh, growth to be moderating slightly. And to be honest, uh, when we look at the labor market situation or local demand, it does look like the developed market's uh, economic situation, at least as of today, it's still fairly strong. So on the contrary, if you look at China, we are talking about a bottoming out because the second quarter GDP was so low at only 0.4%. And domestic demand was uh, very, very weak. For example, if you look at catering tourism, it's down more than 20% from a year ago. And in the last two years, on average, they're down by some 25% from the pre-COVID level. So we are talking about a recovery from a very, very low level, but the direction appeared to be changing. Uh, led by infrastructure investments. And uh, we saw, of course, that uh, manufacturing data not great yesterday in terms of the PMI and still a lot of concerns about the property sector too, home sales extending that plunge and China Evergrande failing to unveil that long-promised restructuring framework. How much of a concern are all these headwinds and the COVID zero policy for China's growth? We are still uh, expecting a growth recovery in the second half, but we also acknowledge that this round of the growth recovery will likely to be slower than the second half of 2020 uh, due to two reasons. One is the long lasting COVID impact as resurgence become more and more frequent. And second is, as you correctly pointed out, the real estate sector, which will still likely to see more pressure ahead. However, we are also seeing some of the bright spots in um, the PMI's uh, overall week data. For example, the construction PMI has been rising and uh, the current level is quite close to 60, indicating a pretty quick um, expansion of infrastructure investment activities. At the same time, we are also seeing some signs that the top authorities are moving um, uh, closer to a bolder step in, ter in terms of stepping up their support to the real estate sector. Indeed. So, um, so we saw that from the Politburo local... meeting. Sorry, Becky, we saw that from the Politburo meeting, but the market seems to be interpreting this as too weak. Uh, they, they don't believe that enough help is is getting out there. I mean, the, the policymakers asked the banks to help support the developers, the troubled developers, uh, and they certainly want to see a lot of the uh, incomplete projects get completed. But it, it doesn't seem to impress the market because, you know, July was a very, very tough month for uh, risk assets in China. Uh, indeed. So market has been disappointed for too long. And uh, to be honest, a lot of the earlier rollbacks of the previous tightening uh, did not really tackle the real issue. While we are getting slightly less concerned at this stage is that we feel that the authorities are finally tackling the right issues, which are uh, strengthening the refinancing abilities across the Chinese developers, as well as to shore up investors' confidence. So following the mortgage boycott event, we have already seen a number of those projects restarting construction, and we are seeing more intensified support across various local governments in order to uh, ensure that the refinancing ability of key developers remain okay. Mm. So we are uh, expecting the real estate sector to remain weak, but yeah. we are likely to be very close to a turning point. Becky, I wanted to talk to you about your point on the revival of Hong Kong's dim sum bond market and, and what that's showing you. The revival of the Hong Kong dim sum bond market reflects two issues in our view. The first one is uh, there's indeed some progress in the JMB internationalization after the war. And second, uh, it reflects um, a, um, a reversing interest rate situation between onshore and offshore. So following the start of the Southbound Bond Connect late last year, 
the onshore uh, investors, including onshore banks and other financial institutions, become a lot easier to directly tap and invest in the offshore bond market, including the entire dim sum bond market. So with offshore yields now being quite a bit higher than onshore yields, we are seeing an increased demand from local investors into the Hong Kong market to buy the dim sum bonds. So these um, uh, spans across all the top tier um, uh, high quality names, including, for example, short dated government bonds, short dated PBOC bills, short dated uh, CDs issued by major Chinese banks and so on. So this is more of a reflection of a more connected capital market between the mainland yeah. and Hong Kong. Okay. What about Hong Kong's future as a financial hub in Asia? Uh, does the government need to make some wholesale changes to the quarantine policy? Uh, I think Hong Kong is indeed uh, planning to make some change to its quarantine policy. And we are of the view that Hong Kong will likely to further relax this policy in the foreseeable future. Um, mm -hmm. But as for Hong Kong's um, uh, stance as an international financial center, we are also seeing some uh, further progress, partly also reflecting um, a more connected uh, capital market between the mainland and Hong Kong. All um, right, Becky, thank you so much. Becky Liu is head of China Macro Strategy at Standard Chartered Bank, and this is Bloomberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.